right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining us. Uh, Brad Shoemaker's here with me. Hi. How's it going down there? Well. We've got a guest. Oh? Yes. Who is it? Albert Pinello of Xbox is here uh, just in time for the launch of the Xbox One X. Just in time. Yeah. A few days away. A few days away here. That's... uh, <laughs> so how no low stress low stress like just kind of just launching a console just launching a console you know, no big like deal we, we do it we, we did it last year too it's no yeah. problem we're, we're total pros at it <laughs> i mean does it feel like a full-on console launch i mean it's not a you know this is not a generational leap it still technically plays xbox one games but, but i know it, it, in terms of workload and stress and stuff does it feel like it totally does and yeah. i think if i if you know anything surprises me about how i this journey was going to begin and how this journey has ended it is how much of a real console launch this feels like which of course then gets into questions about well is it you know it's like and i'm sure we're going to talk about that yeah but from a uh enthusiasm and excitement and work and questions and it, it is a full-on console launch we're going to do a big launch event in new york and it's going to be the the full meal deal and I, I imagine that like some of those questions like coming to this stuff for the first first time in, in a lot of ways of, of or this style of console like right. like this kind of generate or well, i don't even know what to call the, the mid-generation, the mid-generation update, update refresh ref- sure yeah uh I, I imagine like you kind of had to figure a lot of that stuff out as you went too. at the start of this process uh how did you how did you think that this was going to go like like what was the the motivating factors here at the, at the start yeah it's 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 fun because of all of the programs i've personally i mean and there's a lot of amazing people doing the real work that makes this thing happen but i've had an interesting journey that i was uh, on the engineering side when we started this idea mm-hmm. and then now on the marketing side launching it so i joked that my past self was did a pretty good job setting up my future self's uh job and so I do have a little bit of what was I thinking back then when we were thinking yeah. about the program and then how is that? And it is probably one of the most continuous from the vision to the product um, and that I think I've ever experienced. And Because you always start with an assumption about what you want to do. And of course it evolves and you talk to people and, yeah. and the technology changes. But from the beginning, we always said like, hey, we're going to – why do game consoles have to go through this very harsh generational shift? Um, and they are super exciting and, mm-hmm. you know, we've said this a lot, but it is hard on developers. It's hard on gamers. You know, I worked at retail when I was a young man watching the Genesis and SNES days. And a lot of that influenced how parents were really like a lot of people, you know, for them, this is a big investment. Gaming is a big investment mm-hmm. of their financially and watching them go through the, oh my God, you know, I bought all these games for my kids and now what do I do? It's all a waste. And that, but that's just the way game consoles work. So the right. fundamental thesis was: Does it have to work that way anymore? Do we can we get all the excitement without some of the pain? And and that genesis of an idea has come to bear really in how we're bringing the product to market. It's influenced everything we talk about. It's influenced how we've named it. So from that perspective, I think it's been really exciting because mm-hmm. that was really what we wanted to do: was how can we make this easier on developers and easier on customers, but still get the excitement of this new hardware and and not have to wait 10 years to catch up. Does that mean this is the end of the discrete console unit? Are we now looking at just a continuous future of platform and kind of everything blends? That seems like when, when if I can back up a little bit, like when the Xbox one launched to begin with and you had the PlayStation four coming out as well. And you know, these, these similar architecture at the base of it, you know, similar to the PC, Mm -hmm. like I I know developers seemed excited about like, Oh man, there's gonna be so much work that just like kind of applies uh, to all three of these platforms uh, that that now 
I, I think going into those launches, I started thinking already like, well, maybe backwards compatibility will be a lot easier now yeah. because unless someone has a great reason to get off of this architecture. So I guess like that, that's where I'm kind of coming at this from is, is yeah, do you, do you see any need to change the architecture 10 years, five years? Like, or do we just kind of keep rolling with this in a way that lets us keep playing these games for decades to come? It's, it's going to change. It's hard to predict. Yeah. Right, what's going to happen? Because you are going to, you do have these big leaps in technology that still happen. You still get the big hockey sticks, and and the big hockey stick doesn't always come from places that you expect it to come from. Mm. And so, I think we're going to have to observe where tech goes um, to be able to deliver that sort of delta in performance that people want. But I do think what has changed is the nature of compatibility, and this is one of the things that other things that influenced our thinking early on was. And I know I will get a lot of grief, particularly from your listeners, about this analogy. But when you look at phones and when you look at PCs and how people upgrade, they they are more used to the hardware being disposable, but really being locked to the mm-hmm. content that they have. And we've all we all went through the magic of those early iPhone days where you would just plug it in, and oh my god, it's like your iPhone again. And that was really revolutionary. And mm-hmm. and then you know that first couple of years, people are buying them every year, and you go, oh, this isn't going to happen forever. Like that, and then it did. And so we go, well, I mean, game consoles are the only place that doesn't behave like that. And certainly we don't want to do every year. Con- like I would not survive doing every year console launches. Just a, just a month plus on the road every year. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just it's like, well, you know, I'll get consoles and divorce papers come shortly after. <laughs> but the, uh, the idea that your content is what matters. And when you look at the play anywhere stuff that we're doing and the backwards compatibility and OG all these things mean something together. They seem like disparate um, activities, yeah. but they're all lining up to this idea. And Phyllis said this many times um, that it's your content that really matters. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be the focus. What the hardware does, I still think you're going to get these exciting moments. You have to. Like, that's what makes this business right. awesome. Yeah. You have to have these big moments. I think we've proven we can have a big moment and have the compatibility. Um, and so, but, but the focus on the content and investing in Xbox means that your games will work on PC, they'll work on the past devices, they'll work on future devices. It's what we'd like to do. So mm-hmm. that's the, that's where all of this kind of comes together. It seems like that that's something that, that almost has to happen for consumers to really buy into like digital downloads and, and the storefront and stuff like that. Like I go back to, you know, when you, when you think about the original Xbox, there was that cutoff. There was that day when Xbox Live was no more. Yeah. And I was like, man, that's that's a lot of – there were a lot of – like I can't play Mech Assault anymore. That's that's a bummer. Um, not that I was going back and playing no, it every no, day, totally. but it was like this theoretical thing. Of as soon as like, you know oh, you can't. Yeah, exactly. It's the most important yeah. thing in the world. And, and, totally. And so like, yeah, it, it was – it's it's it, something that in I feel like in other generations or at, at a different time and place, it might have been a bullet point somewhere that no one really thought about, but – I ended up actually really appreciating the rollout of, of the original Xbox stuff uh, on Xbox One. It was, it was like, oh, man, that's like some of these games I haven't thought about in a long time. Like the Xbox was such a weird thing, you know, as a competitor to the PlayStation yeah, yeah. 2. Well, and, you know, the there, there were time, yeah. it was a weird Microsoft yeah, coming into video definitely. games that had and, its own little. And there were just yeah. like there were plenty of games that came out for that thing that ended up not really going anywhere else. And, and so it was it's weird that that stuff kind of felt lost for a while. So to, to have a inroad back to reconnect with some of that stuff, I think is it's way more exciting than I thought it would be coming out of the announcement. It was just like, Oh, actually this is, this is really neat. There was a big debate about the moment at E3 and how many, how many people will be relevant for, cause we sold about 25 million OG Xboxes, mm-hmm. right about the same as a GameCube, I think. 
And obviously, PS2 had been out longer. Right. But at but the end, it was kind of like a third, a third, a third. It was you know pretty good mix. But still, a lot of people didn't experience a lot of those early games. And for those of us, the, the old-timers Greenberg likes to call us like the legends of the game where they roll us out with our number and <laughs> yeah. like we come out and like wave at the crowd and then go back. It's like that have been around since the early days. Those things mean a lot. Like those games mean a lot to Phil and Aaron, my guys like myself and others mm. that have been around. But you have this debate. Is this really going to like resonate? Is it going to resonate like the 360 back compat moment did? Because there was a lot right. of people that yeah. had a lot of um, love for those titles. So it was very much like, all right, we're going to wait and see. And and the enthusiasm in the crowd for that unveil at E3 was great. Um, and, you know, there was we t- had done an article with some of the back compat guys. And they yeah. will tell you about how emotional they were in those moments, too. But you're right. The enthusiasm for like... KOTOR and Ninja Guide, not a lot of people played those games, really. Yeah. Uh, if and outside the industry, outside right, us. Right, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like we were, yeah, we, we had all that stuff in-house all right there. It was always, the, always this strange feeling back then of like, well, I mean, the Xbox is going to be the best-looking version of this game, but way more people at the time. I think by the end, you were right. But at the time, like the PS2 was yeah. like the, the dominant platform. Right. So I was like, okay, well... PS2 coverage ends up being more relevant, but I think I would rather see what this looks like on an Xbox. It was just a, it was a strange time. Yeah, well, strange it, time. it was it was fun. It was fun being there, yeah. inventing something like that. Uh, I'd like to ask about how you've been marketing the X uh, to date. Like you guys have been pretty tech forward. You know, you've been putting like engineers' names out there. Like I, I don't know how to pronounce the person's name, but the the, the Hoichi method. Oh, the Hoichi Hoichi method. Hi-chi yes, method, yeah. like like now I know vaguely what that is. Uh, you've given Digital Foundry some exclusives to kind of tear into the box. Uh, was that strategy informed by the kind of tech arms race that happened around the original PS4 Xbox One launches? Like, was that kind of a direct response to that yeah, attitude so, from yeah, well, yeah, because the there, there was a lot of a lot of discussion around the performance and and uh, the specs and what they mean. And I've sort of I've come to learn that like console launches are very much like presidential races. Okay, which is like <laughs> the, interesting there, analogy. There is a lot of energy in like a very short period of time mm-hmm. as the camps are trying to make their points. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turns out when you have farther distance from that point in time, like logic and reason prevail. And so I think that there was a lot of energy on both sides about how that next gen jump ball was going to go. And a lot of uh, misinformation got put out about that. And so what that informed me was we're going to make a pretty bold claim about power, and that's going to ruffle some feathers mm. about performance, particularly after sort of the energy that happened at in the Xbox One launch. And so, you know, you go through the the typical motions, and one of the things for me anyway was I wanted this to be a little bit more unorthodox of a launch than we ever had, and, and you know, so, so like to keep it interesting for my day-to-day job. And, and also, it's, like, by its very nature. Yeah, like, it's you know, different. It's, it so different. We, so, so we have to signal that it's different by doing things differently, like announcing two consoles in one E3, what you would call different. And then by unveiling with Digital Foundry, you would say that was a different approach than, say, having your own event. Mm-hmm. But it was it was a big discussion, and it really came down to the fact in, that this product um, – we wanted to communicate that it was the most powerful product and not everyone understands those numbers. And we knew we could go say all the exact same things and you guys would do the same thing. You would say, uh, okay, I believe them. I don't know what this means. I'll just wait for digital foundry <laughs> to like do the review and then they'll, because that's what they do, mm-hmm. you know? And, and Richard is a, like you guys, like a journalist who like deals in facts and information. And, mm-hmm. and so the idea was maybe we should just work with him. He will do a better job explaining 
this to the audience than we can. Yeah, I mean, they've carved out a space, and and you're trying to tell a power story. Like that seems like a, a pretty natural fit. Yeah, totally. totally. And so that was the the idea was we knew it was going to kind of come to them in this business anyway. Even people mm-hmm. in the industry was going to come to him. So we said let's just let's just start with him. Of course, that has a risk, you know, of going that route because we don't control the what the output was. <laughs> so we, you know, I, I've told this story that we were up at. I think we were up at like three or four o'clock in the morning just hitting refresh like everyone else to <laughs> yeah. see what the article was going to say. Uh, and so uh, – but yeah, that was uh, – because we wanted to just establish with a – you know, the most credible way that the numbers that we were putting out there meant something and that they were going to deliver what we said they were going to deliver. And it seems like that's something for you know the, the audience that is like a little more dialed in and focused on gaming. Like that's the sort of stuff. Whereas – you know, when you look at the back of the actual Xbox One X, it gets boiled down to forty percent. Yeah, <laughs> we I, in marketing, I was like talk about the pyramid of messages, which is like you have like a thousand things that the, that a product does, yeah. and there's a hundred things that you can communicate, and ten things go on the package, and one thing goes on the TV commercial. <laughs> right, right, and so you have this like pyramid of of features that, like I always believe, is the genesis of marketing and engineering's like yeah. co- like battles inside right is what oh, what's sure. the one right. thing what's the thing yeah um and i just i didn't want it to end up spending all of the time talking about just whether or not the performance numbers mattered because there's so many other things we're doing with the upgrades and with compatibility and mm-hmm. super sample like we needed to get on to some of the benefits of the numbers right and yeah of course we're still going to talk about the power yeah but it allowed us to quickly move to the things the product did that was going to make games better instead of spending a bunch of time talking about Yes, six teraflops is more than the other guy's teraflops, and here's what that means. You know, right, like, no, yeah. just go read the Digital Foundry article; they'll explain it. Yeah, <clears throat> and then it seems like you know I, I, we're running into that change in display technology as mm-hmm. kind of 4K gets out there a little bit more. How much of that played a factor in kind of the, the timing of this stuff, where it seemed like you know I, I, I found myself wondering, you know, around the PlayStation 4 Pro launch of just like. This seems like it might be too early for 4K adoption rates, all this other stuff. Did you Were you like at some point just looking at lines on charts and going, when this line crosses this line, the time for a 4K device will will be here? Or or was it a little more by feel than that? Uh, you know, I would love to say that we have this massive <laughs> chart of when all of these convergences yeah. can happen and we can perfectly plot it. I, I would say uh, there was a lot of things that have landed in our favor. Mm-hmm. Um and one of them is the consumer adoption of 4K because you can project what sales are going to look like all you want. Sure. I suspect a lot of those projections for a lot of technologies didn't pan out what the projections were going to say. But you could see that it was coming. You could see there was three things we saw. We saw the the technology itself and we thought it was really cool. And that actually has to begin the whole thing. Sure. You guys see lots of tech and you're like this is not going to fly. Mm. And then sometimes you see something you're like, oh, this, there's a thing here. So we saw 4K TV. We saw a lot of what the TV manufacturers were doing, and we liked it. That's one thing. Then we saw the – you could see that the trends and the trajectory were heading that way. And then we looked at the PC, and we saw how quickly PC developers were actually building 4K content. Because yeah. a good PC monitor is a higher resolution than a TV anyway. And so you're, you're like, there's something here. Like I can put if, – if I can build a product that captures these three things, the fact that it's really good – the fact we think customers are going to move that way and there's PC development happening, which means the assets exist, I think we have a thing. Like I think that's something we could really um, go get people excited about. And then everything worked out. That helped. Mm. But those were the observations I think we had that informed. And then we said we're going to build a box to do that thing. And, and we said this too. But all the numbers, 
they're not there just to beat another guy's numbers. They're there to deliver an experience that enables those PC textures and 4K with Xbox right. engines on TVs with HDR and my color gamut. And that, that informed the product we built. Hmm. And so how does that fit? I and mean, I guess like it, it ends up being a case where now you have the Xbox One S on the market, you'll have the Xbox One X on the market, and of course, like Microsoft's first-party stuff and most of the third-party games that appear on that platform also go to PC. So I guess like, yeah, it, it's you, you talk, there's a lot of talk about the power of this thing, but was there any concern at the time of like, oh, well, you know, any, anyone really craving power so directly they could just kind of turn to the PC and get even more of it there? Was there any concern that that this might end up being not enough for some too much for others or anything like that. Um, I I don't, I don't think so. The PC discussion is always really interesting because PC people are the third, the third of the political parties that exist (laughs) in our, in our bad analogy. But um, the, I think people sometimes overestimate how many PC gamers there are at that level, at the level that are really, that are like going to beat the specs of, yeah, that are yeah. that are upgrading their video card every right. year, that are building cases. I mean, those guys are super passionate. We love them. We all know them. We are them. But the average person is not really making a decision between a game console and whether they're going to go out and assemble a PC to play games on. Mm-hmm. We all know this. Like, you just fundamentally decide, I'm a couch guy that just wants to come home from a day, press the button and play, or I love the tech and I want to dial things mm-hmm. and I want to... And so I, I don't ever see the the console and the PC as quite as at odds as sometimes it gets portrayed. I think of them much more complimentary. I think that having a device that has the 4k and HDR capabilities will help PC developers justify, like there's a famous, like the Witcher interview where the guy basically said, Hey, if like we couldn't have afforded to do this amazing PC version, if we weren't also making console versions. Right. And you know, you read little things that just sit in your mind for, for long periods of time. And I always think like, well, by giving console gamers the ability to see these 4K assets, it will help PC um, makers invest in better assets. So I, I think of it as complementary to each other more so than any kind of conflict. Mm. I have to assume, I mean, you guys didn't just do the play anywhere stuff out of the goodness of your hearts, right? I mean, if if people are buying your games on a PC rather than getting an Xbox One X and buying them there, like you're probably just as happy, right? Yeah, well, I mean, Mike just said as much on Twitter. Yeah. And so, yeah, and it's it's also because I think when you look at how people actually game today versus when I was growing up, you had a thing. You were a console gamer or a PC gamer, mm-hmm. and that was it. You just self-identified. The, the groups <laughs> didn't mix. And today, you know, it's like you've got a PC, you've got a console, you've got a phone, you've got a portable – you probably have more than one console and you're just going to game where you feel like gaming at any given time yeah. or you care about a genre that you just know lends itself that way. So it, people sort of like to articulate it as some sort of like, hey, we don't care whether, you know, w-, but really it's like it's just more opportunities for people to play games. The guy that's got a rig that's running Forza 7 at like with all the dials turned on on his PC is not a guy that had an Xbox One S. Like it's just not the same guy. <laughs> so we're just going to give that guy an opportunity to play Forza and turn up all the dials and experience what turn 10 does. So yeah, we're happy either way if, if people are playing the games, yeah. but I, I think this is one of those things that gets cast as much more conflict on the internet than sure. real, real people 
like make those decisions. I mean, if you think about it, like the, the just the PC versions of games you thought of as traditionally console games uh, have gotten so much better over the years. I, I honestly think you could trace that back to the Xbox 360 controller kind of becoming this like de facto standard controller for PC games as like they finally gave people a reason to oh okay well let's let's build in good controller support because there's finally a good controller that we know is going to work on the device and just go so it god bless you for saying that <laughs> i was as a tear is running down my eye because that was actually completely a hundred percent so i am a console gamer but i i like pc and i i was in charge of marketing on the 360 days and that was a hundred percent the goal mm. it it was that you know, we knew at the time, you remember the landscape of PC controllers was yeah. nuts. Yeah, and I mean, and the quality was all over the place. There was no button layout. And there was this interesting thing I was talking with. I think it was Mark Witten at the time ran accessories. And he's like, you know, this driver that we built to do development on the PC, we could ship this driver. Like, there's no reason we can't make the th- – I go, oh, my God, we need to do that. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're they're already building the screenshot with our controller and the buttons they're already tuning for our controller. You yeah. mean the only thing we need to do is ship a driver and it'll work? And it's like, yeah, we should do that. Yeah. And that was exactly the hope that we could maybe <clears throat> not standardize for a – it sounds sort of self-serving. Not standardized because I thought I was going to sell a bunch of controllers on PC, but standardized because now you could tune to a controller and you could make right. controller games better on PC. That was like 100% the yeah. the I mean, intent of like doing the, that. The accessories market on PC prior to that was, well, you know, there was the Microsoft Sidewinder, which was <laughs> yeah. a fine six-button pad. Um, Many of those guys you know, went the, on to work on our the, stuff. Yeah, the, but then it was like, what, the, like the orb and just all this like, nightmarish equipment at the time that... Uh, or the wannabe SNES D right, yeah, that yeah, the Gravis game pads, yeah, like having to having into a sound, yeah, having, having to use a game port and all that yeah. stuff, yeah, it's such a mess. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that that if, that felt like the moment when, and it took some years for compatibility, so, like for developers to care about compatibility on the PC the way that they needed to be, right? But I feel like that was really the catalyst for like, okay, now there's like a, a, a room for great console style experiences on the PC. It's not just I RTSs do, and that sort of stuff. Yeah, I know our our interest in PC does go back a lot farther than just play anywhere. I mean, we yeah. the fact I would also say even starting with the original Xbox and it being based on PC and having PC tools, you you really can kind of trace Xbox and PC kind of game development coming back. Um, you know, there are definitely moments, the controller, our dev kits, the way we built the box, um, all of the, I mean, we've always cared about the PC. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, now I think we're at a point where we can do even more interesting things like play anywhere. So in, in using the Xbox one X, uh, we, so we, we ended up getting a hold of one, you know, prior to release, uh, obviously. And, and we've been in this weird limbo where the patches haven't hit mm-hmm. yet, or, or some of them haven't. And, and it's been... So turning it on, booting it up, and you know, putting your profile on all other stuff, it's an Xbox. Uh, it, it, was there ever any consideration to like, hey, maybe we should do a slightly different version of the dashboard for these users so it's a little more optimized for 4K or just like, like performance-wise is a bit better or just has a different look to it that mm. says like, hey, this is the premium version of our device or something like Maybe that. Maybe give it like a nice leather skin or something like that. <laughs> yeah, some wood grain, <laughs> some some, you know, <laughs> something nice. We tried wood grain on the console. Yeah, right, of course. So well. yeah. uh, actually, so I will say two things. The experience you guys are having right now is not exactly what's totally. going to happen. No, and, and I really mean yeah. that. There are things that are going to be coming. We definitely took a approach 
um, that said, we want to welcome people back to Xbox, not have them go through the Ubi. And I can just tell you, some of that stuff isn't actually there right now. Okay. Um, so I think people who have an Xbox One and upgrade to an Xbox One X are going to have a little bit more, uh, probably a lot more streamlined experience mm-hmm. and a little bit more like, oh, they know I'm here and, and than you guys are probably having right now. Okay. So I will say that for sure. Yeah. Um, and particularly if you've gone through... Um, like the hard drive magic stuff where you can back oh, things right. up. Yeah. Um, you know, these downloads are huge. And so there, there are a ton of things we did to say like, what is the fastest we can get back to gaming? Mm-hmm. We streamlined the Ubi. I actually just timed it myself. I was about 21 minutes from starting the console the first time to playing a game, which if you think about a modern out of box for it, that's including right. the update and everything. Mm-hmm. And I didn't do anything at home. I wanted to pretend I was just, I, other than having stuff already on a hard drive. Yeah. I didn't, do anything else to prepare and that and then a lot of screens we took out for people that are coming back there's a video that's going to be up that isn't up right now so there's going to be a lot i think for that person that starts it up that's like oh this is cool okay they got rid of a lot of stuff and really got me to gaming faster yeah the dash no it was always going to be part of the xbox one family there was Mm -hmm. never a consideration first off logistically like managing two dashes yeah right but it does kind of break the rule of it is one family of products. Like you mm-hmm. should be able to seamlessly move back and forth between the two. You shouldn't have to relearn an UI. Right. Um, so that, that was, you know, a very thoughtful decision around how the dashes were going to look, but we did do a bunch of things to try and make the startup a lot faster. Yeah. Being able to just like pull the hard drive out of the back of the S and plug it into the X was, was definitely big. Yes. Uh, just to be like, okay, now I have 200 games installed on this thing and, and we're good to You're go. Good to go. Yeah. Uh, except for a lot of the asset downloads and, and, and all that sort of stuff, um, which we are going to enable. We did think past launch day for people mm-hmm. on launch day, they're going to have, well, God bless you, please. You know, you're going to have a great day. <laughs> There's a lot of amazing stuff, but you're going to go through a little bit longer process because you're going to take the updates there's a lot of people that aren't going to get this until Christmas. Mm-hmm. And so we are actually enabling you to take the 4k updates on the current box on oh. the S. Okay. So you, there's actually a place you can go to that says enable 4k downloads and you will download the 4k assets to the S. Is that a single time setting? You said it once in the OS and it's, it's a, it, it's a toggle. It's for a, games you, from the, it's not like every game you have to go find a 4k texture pack or something. No, you okay. can, you know, there's, it's the section under auto downloads. And mm. of course I'm sure someone will provide the, but like yeah. you can go into your system and you can set your download specs for automatic updates. Mm. And there's a box that says, um, enable 4k updates as yeah. well. So for anybody that isn't getting it on day one and, but is planning to just check that box. And as those updates come down, they'll also be on the yeah, hard drive. So you'll and you will be won't, extra ready. You won't have to take those. Yeah, again. that's cool. To uh, to build on the previous question, is it tough from a marketing standpoint to sell people a new console without a big marquee first per- first party title coming out that same day? I mean, you guys had Forza Seven, but a it's been out for a few weeks. B Forza is kind of a hardcore game that you know it caters to a certain audience, right? But not everybody is is a part of like you know not having a Halo or a Gears or that equivalent like just you know big tentpole uh, franchise coming out on day one with the console. Does that make it tougher to like? kind of put this in front of people and say like, here, you need this and here's why. Um, I, I don't think so because this is where I get to play which side of the next generation argument do I want to take. Mm-hmm. And I'll take the side that says this isn't a next generation. Those things are really required when you're asking people to move. When you're trying to say, we need to give you a reason to take that console, unhook it, hook up the new one and start making all of your purchase investments on the new console. We're going to have, we've announced 160 titles which I like to keep saying that because there was a lot of people that are like, no one's going to do any updates for you know right. this new console thing. Like 160 games. We're going to have a lot within the first week. 
we're going to have a bunch of stuff in the first week, new games and stuff that you already own. So on one hand, I will say I don't think that there is a console. You guys and your your listeners will correct me. I don't think there's ever been a console that will have as much launch content as an Xbox One X. We're going to have 50 to 70 games in the first week or two Mm -hmm. Um, specifically enhanced for that are specifically enhanced taking advantage of the new box not counting all the benefits of the 1300 games that you can already play yeah no console launches had that much content designed for it and so on one hand i'll say we've got more content than any consoles ever had at a launch and then you go well it's not new but i'm not trying to move people so um you know when a new nvidia video card doesn't come out they don't have a launch title that only works with that new video card you just all your stuff gets better not anymore <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, yeah uh so incoming no, I, or something yeah yeah, yeah uh, but i mean so like i i think we got a really good lineup i mean mm. if you're interested in this box there's going to be a ton of stuff to play that really okay. will showcase what it does mm. going forward like so i bought a ps4 pro uh, at launch last year and i've carried a little chip on my shoulder all year because a they're not they're not super consistent about enforcing i mean not you know you, Every developer's got their own workload. You can't necessarily come in and say, this game has to run at 4K at launch. Like, you've got to do this and this. But it's been really inconsistent about which games are enhanced for it, which ones are not. Mm-hmm. The messaging is also pretty muddy. Like, I've had a NeoGAF thread bookmarked because they compile lists of, like, here's what GameX does on the Pro. You know, like, they, like Sony's not out there telling that story very consistently. Like, are you guys going to be more kind of messaging forward with, like, you know, like, on an ongoing basis? Like, here are the games coming out. Here's what they do on the X. Because, like, you know, like you yeah. spend a lot of money on the premium box, like kind of want to know what it does. You know, it's and, been uh, no, you're totally it's a great question. It's probably the biggest thing that people ask is like, I just want more details. What are yeah. the games doing? Right. And the reality is that is a logistical nightmare because you like until the game ships developers. I mean, you guys know this. They're making changes to their mm-hmm. code up to the last minute. So to like be able to go say months in advance, it's definitely going to do this. It's definitely going to do that. We, we don't often know until the game finally ships. And so we picked three things that we think customers care about. We picked enhanced. That's the most important, which mm-hmm. is there's a bug that says Xbox One X enhanced. That at least tells you um, that the game has done something. And then we picked 4K and HDR because we think those are the other two things. And, and our definitions of 4K is basically anything but upscaling, anything but like rendering at sub 4K oh, sure. and the box right. upscales it. Yeah. We count as 4K. And then HDR is either it is or it is not yeah. HDR. And that is the only things we're really tracking at, a, at an Xbox level. We have Xbox.com, WAC Enhanced. We are going to be trying to curate that a little bit more f- towards launch. Um, and then we'll keep that site going. And by the way, those same filters are in our store. And then we right. have an Xbox One X Enhanced filter on my games and apps on the yeah. console. And I think that that's about as much as we can realistically track at our level. And then there is a point where we're going to have to say you should check with the game developer to see mm. specifically if they've done extra textures or extra things like that. It just becomes logistical uh, nightmare. So is, is there any then, is there, is there any mandate from Microsoft to third parties to say like, Hey, you, you should support something on the X. I mean, you know, it's, it's natural that they would want to, but is there anything from Microsoft saying like, Hey, you know, try to like, like we, we're not going to like, approve your game you know we're not we're not going to ship it through uh you know the the final process unless you've got something in there no i you know and i i'm kind of glad we didn't do it that way because there was a there was a discussion as to whether or not you should just say like if you have to be 4k if you're going to be on the box and i think on one hand you would have had people saying like 
yay, you know, everything's 4K. But then, you know, like games like Tomb Raider that are doing the enriched mode mm-hmm. or Ark that's gone back and really focused on textures and frame rate and less on resolution. The minute you dictate like one yeah. way, you are probably losing interesting ideas that game developers have. And so, and again, those guys know they're building their engines. Mm-hmm. The whole industry doesn't use one engine that works the same way. Um, they all respond to the, these performance things differently if they're CPU bound or GPU bound or memory bandwidth bound. And they want to do different things about what their vision for the game is. So no, we never dictated. What we decided to do was we put rules around 4K and HDR and enhanced. And we said like you can get those or not get those. Right. Um, okay. But that's it. Otherwise, yeah. like there will be games that are Xbox One X enhanced that did not have 4K or HDR on right. them. And that they will probably be some really super like interesting games that are mm-hmm. doing that. So we did not mandate that you have to do a set of features to get approved on the box. Mm. As you kind of look forward into, you know, kind of as the console gets out there and, and starts starts picking up steam and, and, and selling. And, you know, I, I think uh, I want to say Phil's been out there saying that like, a lot of you've been out there saying, like, hey, you're not necessarily expecting this to be the dominant version of mm. the Xbox One anytime soon. But presumably you get down the line you know, the prices change, 4K adoption rates change, all that other stuff, you presumably get to a point where the Xbox One X becomes the, you know, like over 50%, let's say, of the installed base or something like that. Uh, and then maybe you start thinking about maybe another one down the line. Another one, you, mm-hmm. you use the phone analogy and the a lot of the content does come over, but at some point you either run into a case where the launch version of, the, you know, old iPhones don't run current, iPhone it's apps sometimes you know right, exactly. they had, I mean they just recently had their big 64 bit cut off uh, so that a bunch of stuff got wiped away yeah um, but on the other end you have this situation where if you've got developers that have to support a full line of things a full uh, full range of products at different power levels can they truly take advantage of the high end if they have to also plan for this this baseline mm-hmm. so what metrics do you look at or do you think you'll be looking at when it comes time to say like okay maybe it's time to sunset the original xbox one maybe the x becomes the low end and theoretically you know oh, yeah, yeah. you know you have another one uh, another higher end skew out down you know four or five years from now or something like that like how how wide do you think that band is of supported devices there's a lot of interesting <laughs> there's a lot of interesting concepts embedded in your questions yeah. so I'll, I'll try and tackle them without i mean i as I'm not just saying it's like oh, the future is open. Of course, right? there's a lot yeah. of options to think about what the future. Yeah, is and I know like probably none of these decisions have been made because you have to get the thing out there and see how it does. Th- but, that's right, and I'm not. But you're opening a can of worms here with with the kind of uh, mid generation upgrade stuff. Yeah. The same way Sony did, it, I think, in a lot of ways, where you've got a lot of people going like, "Well, wait a minute, should I get this one or just wait for the next one?" You know, like it, it's yeah. a lot of questions when, people haven't had to ask before. No, it is. It's it's interesting. It's you know, as a guy who's been in the business for a long time, it's probably one of the most fun parts is like yeah. thinking about those things. What is what is the right answer? Mm-hmm. What is the right answer for all of the people involved, for the hardware that you want to build, for the people that are making games, and for the customers? I can I can answer today. There's a reason they're both called Xbox One, and I think the name is a pretty strong indicator of what our intent is about mm-hmm. having games run on both. I, I will I do dispute often the idea that the power of Xbox One X is somehow being hold held back by mm-hmm. the power of Xbox One S because I think that presumes either not an understanding of actually how modern games are built or way overestimating the power of a PC relative to an Xbox One or sure. underestimating the power of an Xbox One S relative to a PC. 
an Xbox One S is a pretty good PC. Um, you know, it is certainly not the highest end PC, but mm-hmm. relative to how what people game, if you go look at the Steam right. know, s- stats, an Xbox One S is a pretty good PC. An Xbox One X is a really good PC. And games are already built to like take advantage and scale yeah. in these days, like in a modern game developer. So I think you're you're just seeing like six months of development of the Xbox One X today because you know we just had the dev kits out at E3. Right. And we're already seeing this kind of support. So I think there's a lot of opportunity for game developers to go and refine their engines, and both games are going to get better. That's how we built the box. Mm-hmm. They they are built to be a continuous um, a continuous PC, right? Like one yeah, yeah. class of GPU and CPU that I can scale. Um, and so I don't think anything's held back. I think you know th- making a decision between an S or an X is really up to what matters to you and how much can you afford and right. what, where do you care about graphics or are you just new to games? What type of TV do you what have? What type of TV you do you have? have? Yeah. And so I do think that the S, you know, simply because it's a great value. It's mm-hmm. 279, 4K Blu-ray. We got all the great games and Game Pass and all that cool stuff. Like if you're thinking about getting a home console, it's a good value. And then, oh, wow, someday I can get this other thing and all my stuff is better. Like mm-hmm. I always, the idea that I own games for the next thing I don't own is a little bit, like, wow, that's – like, I have games now that will take advantage of a box that I don't even own yet is pretty neat in this business. Yeah. What happens next? And then, then you get into what's forward compatibility and backwards compatibility, and it goes back to, you know, I think we are investing a lot in software compatibility and development kits and trying to make that stuff go forward. That's certainly something we're committed to. And then we'll look – we'll kind of see how the yeah. industry goes. Yeah, it, it seems like maybe the answer will just kind of become obvious at a certain point where you're like, okay, the the, the this is what the, the market has said this, right? And and we'll go from here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it like having that you know, two seventy nine for that Xbox One S. You know, it seems like there are probably well, there are, are millions of Xbox three sixty owners that probably haven't made a decision either way about what's right, what the, their next console is going to be. So it seems like having something like that out there gives people a lot of options. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Does the Xbox One name have a future? Like, it's interesting to hear you say, like, you know, there, there's a reason this thing is still called an Xbox One. Like, do you think this is the last product we see with that name on it? Or I, is that something that's going to stick around? I think it goes it goes to Jeff's point about sort of thinking about what happens after this. Mm-hmm. I and mean, we got uh, the other, the the nature of launching, it's almost like when every, ever a game console launches, the question of the next game console comes out, which is weird. <laughs> yeah, like, it doesn't matter. Right? It's, it doesn't matter. It's like, no, one, no one ever stops and no just enjoys stops. what they've got. Like, Can we just launch yeah. this one? So, <laughs> sometimes I step back and like look at my life in terms of console launches. <laughs> just like, all right, at that time yeah. in my life, the GameCube was out and I was doing this. Yeah. 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 Well, or who are my roommates? Right. When, right. When this came out. Uh, so, it, but it is, it's just a funny phenomenon that anytime a console launch comes out, the question's about the next one. We got a long life ahead of us of mm-hmm. Xbox One. I mean, mm-hmm. we're not, again, just to reinforce, we're not asking people to swap out. We're not asking people to move. This is a new choice, a new option. Games are going to be made for both. We've said, I'm glad this conversation's over. There's no exclusive Xbox One X games. Right. Everything works on both machines. You can pick the console at the performance and price you care about. And then when you're ready, if you are, then everything's going to be there. And to your point about we're you know, this is new. This is a really mm-hmm. new thing for the games business and figuring out how to do it right. I think we've done a pretty good job on knock on wood and making this 
pretty easy for people to understand and easy for developers. And we're going to have to see how it goes and if this is what people want. And then what's the next set of questions we need to right. ask or yeah. for whatever the next thing looks like. Yeah, I think for, for my part, like I was surprised by the name because when you look at it in conjunction with the the increased backwards compatibility story and kind of uni- unifying now three generations, three and a half, whatever you want to call it, generations of the Xbox brand in one box – like at some point I was like, oh, it should just be Xbox. Like, let's get to that iPad level of just like, it's just iPad. It's just, the, it's the new iPad. Mm. It's the 2017 Xbox. It's the 2019 Xbox. It's the, the that sort of thing. I, I was surprised that, that the X name uh, stuck at some point. The uh, debate about that was always, I'm sure it yeah. was interesting. Yeah. Cause we asked ourselves, you, you totally have those sets of conversations mm-hmm. and you have to think about all of the parties involved and it, there was a little bit of the what is the like is it granimals? What's the thing where like I can you like match if you don't you can match like for kids clothes? You, yes, you, yeah, granimals. You know, yeah, like, it's like it's a pattern the, matching. The, like, yes, pick the, the giraffe and the yeah, and then those go together. And so there was I again informed a lot by the time I spent at retails. Like a lot of average customers don't think about this stuff as much <laughs> as we do. Yeah, and so there's sometimes a simple pattern matching thing that you need to land on, which is. People get gifts at Christmas, and the people buying those gifts are not necessarily the people who always understand. <laughs> right. And I always use this joke, and it sounds terrible, but like grandma should not have to figure out which version of the box. It, right. Yes. Right. And yeah. so it's just, oh, he's got an Xbox One, can't go wrong. And like that kind of thinking influenced a lot of the decisions is like when it really gets down to an average customer, how do we make them feel smart and not like no one wants to have gotten somebody the wrong thing? And so Xbox One, we got pretty quickly landed to we're going to keep it Xbox One. We have to, as we go through this change, to make mm. it easy for people in the real world to like buy stuff and know that they're getting the right thing. Mm. I would love to ask what some of the other proposed names were, but I know you can't. That'll well, be for like unless, a, yeah. when, the, when the next thing comes out, yeah, we'll yeah, reminisce yeah, about okay. it and I'll tell all the old ah, stories. What were all the Scorpio names that we had? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Great stories. We'll do those. Yeah. We'll do that in, you know. Come back in five years. Well, well, yeah, well, well four, four years, I guess, actually. Uh, yeah. Three. <laughs> When's the next one? Three, <laughs> three years? Three years? Two years? No. That's right. <laughs> nice try. Yeah. Is it, uh, is it fair to say you guys are in a holding pattern on VR? I kind of, I think Phil made some like vague comments in that direction at the very first reveal, but then yeah. that never really solidified. Yeah. I think, I think we wanted the, fo- the focus and, and, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to take a shot, but I, I feel like maybe when you're trying to launch a console and VR, a lot of mm. stuff gets like a lot of attention gets split. Um, developer attention, internal attention. And so I think the decision was, you know, we, we are getting a new console out. We're doing a lot of new things. We need developers to really like drive and back this thing up. And we'll talk about VR later. And that informed a lot of like, sorry, we're going to, we're going to put a pause on that and we're going to focus on, on Xbox one. X. If anything, that seemed like it would kind of muddy the story around no exclusives for the X. If suddenly you've got like, Oh, this, you know, these mixed reality headsets are only going to work on the X. You're kind of like, Oh, well by default, those are kind of Xbox one X exclusives. And, and who's developing endlessly confusing. Yeah. Yeah. it, It takes something that we've worked really hard to make simple and adds another layer of potential confusion on it. So Mm -hmm. we're just focusing on, on this. I I think it was the right choice. Mm -hmm. You know, again, I go back to like the amount of support we've gotten and the amount of games taken advantage of it. And I'm glad we could get everybody aligned on one thing we wanted to get done this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, uh, it's cool to it, it is it's been fascinating for I guess like the past year or two now to like watch this stuff kind of cook up and and really change the way we think about, you know, the 
you, you, again, like living your life by console launches and, and these generational shifts about like, oh, yeah, I took 30 Genesis games and turned it into a PlayStation <laughs> And I never got those Genesis games back. And as much as the PlayStation was good, I still feel like I shouldn't have gotten rid of those games. Well, and I, but, I was at the Portland Retro Gaming Expo. And, like, you know, you have these sort of, like, moments as you're going around and you start thinking about, like, what is the Portland Retro Gaming Expo of, like, 2025 look like? Right. And, like, what is all the things we're doing today? I'm a big retro gamer. And yeah. so and so it all of these things are just always in my head about what the things we're doing today looks like at some point in the future. And yeah, there's a lot of great, and man, they're expensive too. Yeah. Like to go back and get some of those great old games, I bought a PC engine duo. Okay. And I was like, you're you're going for the stuff that is now newly expensive. Yeah. And I'm just like, man, this stuff was cheap. I was in Tokyo like three years ago. You couldn't give this stuff away. And I'm like, Oh my God, everything is so expensive. I was looking up turbo CD games like two weeks ago and was all of a sudden like, wait, even the bad games are now 30 bucks. Like everything just, just gone off the charts. Like what is going on? Don't even get me. So I grabbed this, duo and i'm like this is going to be no problemo i'm coming back with a bunch of pc engine games Mm -hmm. i'm just going to get a stack of old stuff cheap no go the worst games are so expensive see i i when when tgs was a lot more relevant than maybe it is now and when there were like two a year at space world like i was spending three weeks in tokyo every year so i was coming back with suitcases of neo geo games before they got super expensive don't, and <laughs> don't do this to me uh, the number the number of uh, neo cds and games oh, yeah, were like yeah. 200 yen yeah. and like oh yeah i'll I was buying it, copies of samurai year. showdown one for like 100 200 yen and just getting multiples like at this price i can't afford not to buy them oh and I, um, for me it was like it's oh i just don't all the stuff i passed up that i just yeah. i'm just because you just think oh this will never end mm-hmm. this is going to be cheap forever so but when you talk about retro retro shows of the future do you ever get worried that like, I mean, you know, technology has changed the way we game. Games are run on servers. Games are a service now. And, you know, like a Destiny disc. Will, will Destiny will a Destiny 2 disc do anything 15 years from now? And 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 those sorts of concerns ends up be, end up being yeah. part of the discussion in a it, way that it's there's a yeah, there's a lot of interesting things yeah. that go on. Although it's funny because kind of OG Xbox is now starting to be part of that. Yeah, that sort of like it's just a nascent in the retro, mm-hmm. which really makes me feel old that like the thing I was actually a, a person working on as a professional is now retro. Well, there aren't any great hobbyist emulators out there yet. So there are very few ways to play some of those games other than going out and getting the genuine articles and and, and, and doing the work and building the collection. So and that's why I'm, I'm glad I'm proud of the team that's trying to go back and do that stuff. Of course, it also is informing a lot of how we think about the future just in terms of of having that continuity of compatibility and, and like the fact that developers change and licenses Mm -hmm. change that ends up being a, as much of a challenge as the technical hurdle. I think, you know, we said like we thought the technical hurdle of getting the games up and running was going to be hard. And that was not been the hardest part of getting these games up and running. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of defunct companies and licensing deals and music and And, all the contracts and and human beings. I mean, there's people like reading the manuals, looking at the credits or trying to figure out like, who do we even need to talk talk to 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 get this game out? Yeah, exactly. It's fun. Uh, yeah, but that, that type of like, it's almost like digital archaeology at a point, right? Just like going back there into that or finding people. There was, I mean, funny story is like, we were trying to, as we were getting ready for this, uh, we needed the font, the font and the logos, Oh right! For, for the original Xbox, and um, the person on the team who was responsible for back and Pat came to my office and was like, "I we don't have the logos," 
And I go, hold on a second. And I just start clicking through my folders on my computer. <laughs> and I'm like, here it is. It turns out I have a bunch of all of that stuff. Because like the team, you know, it's like micro, Microsoft changed. You know, big company. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You guys know small companies. Yeah. People aren't there anymore. The, the, the artist who did that, you know, they're at a different division. So the stuff just kind of gets lost to time. So the, the reason we have uh, uh, original Xbox logos on some of our assets is because I actually had a folder that's, that's on my desktop that still had all the... It's a folder labeled old desktop. Yeah, it's yeah. like yeah. Labeled, <laughs> it's labeled Xbox and yeah. I just click through and it's like, oh, here's some old marketing plans. And oh, yeah, here's all the wow. logos and the fonts that's, and everything. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Fun. That's uh, that's pretty cool. I, I heard a pretty good story about the the boot up logo for the original Xbox making its way in there of someone looking for a high res video of that, only to realize that it was rendered in real time at boot up of the original Xbox. Yeah, so the, they took a frame. He had to. The, it's the same guys that Eric Heichi and, and Spencer Pro who did the like really were the guys driving a lot of this. To, did a frame by frame and then did some software work so that they could do a frame by frame capture and, and play it back as a video, which I think we actually released for people to screw yeah. around with. Mm-hmm. I think we let the put the video out there, but yeah, all that kind of stuff you just don't you don't even think about till you get started on this, right? Yeah, no, that's the, no one. Everyone is bad at saving their old stuff. I think we go through that all the time with just like, oh, where's the logo for that show with layers still? Like, yeah. oh no, I flattened that years ago. So there's no, <laughs> that's right. we can't go back to that. That's that's done. Do you remember how expensive hard drives were? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can't keep all that. Uh, all that stuff. stuff's gone. Um, well, I think that's gonna do it from my end, Brad. Yeah. You got any? Anything else down there? No, I don't think that's... All right. Albert, thanks so much for coming through. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks, yeah. guys. It's I appreciate been, it. It's been exciting to watch all this go. I can't wait to see how people take to it once it's out there and, and see where we go from here. We're, we're getting in. We're putting the baby out in the world. We'll yeah. see. I think I think it's going to be a great launch. I'm, I'm excited that people are finally going to get their hands on it and can't wait to hear what you guys think. Cool. All right. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks.